And welcome to the Scale of Wisdom podcast brought to you by the Batul Foundation. Continuing with our topic of manners, the next subsection in this chapter is about the best of manners. Imam Ali is reported to have said, The best of manners is for man to stop at his limit and to not exceed his status. In this tradition, the word qadrahu has been translated as status. Status here, what they're trying to get at with the word status is not the social status, but rather what is meant here is the limits of a person's. And this is a very important hadith when it comes to the philosophy of balance in Islam. When we exceed our limitations, when we try to do something that is beyond our capacity, we will not be able to fulfill that role that we're trying to fulfill. Rather, it is wiser for somebody to understand their limits and to understand what they can and they can't do and then perform actions within their limitations. When we don't do that, when we do something that is above our limits and we stretch ourselves beyond what we're capable of, in these situations there is no doubt that there will be a slip in manners. So for example, say my capacity is that I'm able to look after four children and I take on a class or I take on the responsibility to look after six children on a school trip for example. The tension of doing something that is above my capacity will take me out of myself. I will not be in control of myself and there will be occasions where I will make mistakes. So it is better for me to understand that I can, for example, only look after four children and to go ahead and look after those four children. And when I'm asked to look after five, six, seven, eight children, I have to say, sorry, I don't think I'll be able to do that. In another tradition, Imam Ali salam is reported to have said, The best of manners is that which prevents you from committing sins. So as we saw from some of the traditions in the previous subsection, to stay away from somebody who's vile, for example. Because when you're in the company of somebody who's committing sins, naturally you also tend towards committing those sins. Or for example, not entering into suspicious places. Again, this is something that prevents you from committing sins. And these are the best of manners. Imam Ali salam in another tradition is reported to have said, Self-restraint in terms of desire and fear is one of the best manners. That is that when you're in the situation of test and you either want something that you're not supposed to have or you're fearful from something and that causes you to move towards anger or to move towards taking the rights of somebody else, at that time self-restraint is of the best of manners because it stops you doing those things that are wrong. The next subsection is about encouraging the teaching of good manners to family. After a person learns to control themselves and to have good manners within themselves, the next responsibility they have is to pass on those teachings to the people that surround them and especially their children. Because self-development starts at home. So as we see in the first tradition from the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he's reported to have said, Honor your children and refine their manners and your sins will be forgiven. So the first point here is to honor your children, to respect your children, to love your children, to give them that status that they feel that they have honor within the house. And then when you have given them that honor, also refine their manners. And by refining their manners, that journey that you went through and all the mistakes that you had made along the way in order to attain the manners that you have now got, that will be forgiven. Your sins are forgiven because of what you have passed on. In the next tradition, Imam Ali salam said to Imam al-Hasan salam, The heart of a youth resembles an empty land. It receives all that is thrown into it. This is why I have started to teach you good manners before your heart is hardened and your soul is preoccupied. So here the Imam offers us an insight into the psychology of children and the psychology of youth. 
and that is that in the earlier stages they are able to accept teaching and when they receive it they formulate their personality around that teaching so it is very important for a parent to start to teach their children good manners from their own character practically they have to be manifesting those characteristics and then also in the form of teaching itself through stories through anecdotes and through all the different methods of teaching sitting down and having conversations obviously the methods differ as the children grow and also with different types of children there are different types of methods but we should always have an eye out that we want to pass good manners onto our children and good manners with the definitions that I've given before it's not just saying please and thank you but it is in order to purify their souls to refine their souls and to develop a character and the refinement of the soul and the development of the soul is a very vast topic and there are going to be many many times and instances during the commentary on this book where we're going to be going into it at different levels and from different perspectives Imam Sadiq is reported to have said when the verse, O you who have faith, protect yourselves and your kin from the fire was revealed, people asked, O Messenger of Allah, how do we protect ourselves and our kin? He replied, Do good deeds and remind your kin about them and discipline them and discipline them to obey Allah. So the meaning of this verse is that to protect ourselves and our kin from the fire is for us to do good deeds, to remind our kin to do good deeds and to give them that upbringing, to give them that personal development to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the final tradition for this section, Imam Ridha is reported to have said, Instruct the child to give charity with his own hand, be it a piece of bread or a handful of food or any other small thing for everything no matter how little it is if it is done for the sake of Allah and with an honest intention is great so here Imam Ridha is giving us a practical advice sometimes it's easy for us to put the charity in the box or for us to give the charity to somebody but we should teach our children by putting it in their hands and letting them go and give for the sake of Allah Taala. or even better than that if we can teach them to give something little of their own that is even better and we also teach them that it doesn't matter how large or small what you give is the most important thing is the intention with which you give it the next section is about how to teach good manners the Holy Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, Teach your children to pray when they reach the age of seven. And then the hadith continues a bit later, And make them sleep in separate beds. So here are two practical advices. Number one, start teaching your children to pray when they reach the age of seven, which is well before the age of their legal responsibility. But because you teach them to pray from such a young age, they become used to doing it. It becomes habitual for them. And then when they are responsible for doing it every day, they are already in the habit of doing so. And make them sleep in separate beds. So again here, a practical advice for what to do with our children. The Holy Prophet ﷺ is also reported to have said, a child is a master for seven years, a slave for the next seven years, and a minister for another seven years. By the age of 21, you must either approve of his manners or cut him loose. For by then, you will have fulfilled your obligations towards Allah the Most High. This is a very interesting and important tradition. It gives us three steps of our lives with our children and how to deal with their upbringing. The first stage is that while they're young and while their understanding is less, we do not try to impose our will in such a way that will break them. Rather, we allow them to have that sense of their individuality and allow them to be the master in the sense that we are, we are listening to them and we do what they want. But then after the age of seven, in the next seven years till the age of 14, we have to reverse those roles. So we've shown them in the first seven years how 
to listen to the other one, how to do what the other person wants. And then we reverse the role and we bring the parental side a little bit more so that the children learn how to be submissive to a higher authority. And then after they've passed that period of their lives, when they're entering now the firm aspect of their teenage years, in those years you take them as a companion, as a minister, and you discuss with them, you speak to them as an equal. With all of that background training that you have given to them and you advise them, not that you force them to do this or to do that, but that stage of forcing them to do this and that has passed. And now it's time to act as a companion and as a minister to take them up to the age of 21. Now at the age of 21, your responsibility is fulfilled. They are now an adult. You cannot be responsible for their upbringing anymore. They have to take their own path in life, they have to do their own things in life, they have to get married, they have to have their own families, they have to move on with their lives. And so at this stage, you have to look at them and to see what is the result of your actions. Is it that they have listened to your advice and they have taken everything on board? Or is it that that training that you've tried to give them has been completely lost? Because part of it is our training and part of it is also the child themselves because they are their own person. And at that stage, you have to decide whether you approve of those characteristics or you say, I tried to do my responsibility, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to fulfill. In the next tradition, Imam Sadiq is reported to have said, a boy should be trained to fast between the ages of 15 and 16. This, of course, is in the case where he's not reached the age of responsibility at these ages. And as you know, there are debates in Islamic law on the age of legal responsibility. So this tradition should not be taken literally. The next subsection is about the methods of teaching good manners. In Bihar al-Anwar, it says that the Prophet ﷺ prohibit disciplining in times of anger. That is that we should avoid disciplining our children or our family members in a time when we are angry. We ourselves have to go and calm ourselves down before we try and discipline others. Imam Ali ﷺ is reported to have said, punish the wrongdoer by rewarding the good doer. That is that you don't have to directly punish somebody who's done something wrong all the time. Sometimes you can also show them the reward of doing a good action. And that will pull them away from doing the bad actions. Imam Ali in another tradition is reported to have said, You may improve the doers of good by honoring them and reform the wrongdoers by disciplining them. In another tradition he says, Reprimand your brother by being kind to him and react to his wrongdoing by being generous to him. Here the philosophy of reprimanding someone is turned on its head. Usually we think that when we reprimand someone we have to be unkind to them and when someone does something wrong we have to pull away from them. But rather here Imam Ali is reported to have said that it is the opposite that we should do because sometimes when people do something wrong it's not because they want to do that thing that is wrong but maybe they're making a statement about something else, about their loneliness, about the fact that they're unhappy about something and through acting roughly with them we can't get to the bottom of what the problem is rather we have to take a different approach and to try and bring them out of the problems that they're facing Imam Ali salam is also reported to have said rehabilitate the wrongdoer by your good deed toward him and indicate towards good through your good words in another tradition a man said I complained to Abu Hassan al-Kadhim salam about a son of mine he said do not beat him rather ignore him but not for too long the next subsection talks about disciplining oneself by the discipline of Allah Imam Ali salam is reported to have said he who disciplines himself by following the etiquette of Allah the exalted will have lasting prosperity this is a very interesting concept and something that needs a lot more explanation but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a certain way of acting. 
For example, he's merciful towards his servant. For example, he doesn't oppress anybody. These, if you like, are etiquettes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we also should formulate our morals and our etiquettes and our personality around those traits. So somebody who does that will have lasting prosperity. In another tradition, Imam Ali alayhi salam is reported to have said, A man who is not reformed through the etiquette of Allah will not be rehabilitated through his self-discipline. That is that all that we have spoken about in all these previous sections has to be seen within that etiquette of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the etiquette that is expounded within the religion of Islam. The last subsection for this section speaks about Allah's discipline. Imam Ali alayhi salam is reported to have said, Misfortune is a form of discipline for the wrongdoer. And in another tradition, Imam Zain al-Abidin is reported to have said, O Lord, discipline me not through your punishment. The next episode is about Adhan in Islam, the call to prayer. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين